Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Now we'll pick up where we left off with the US market today. Now in the US, the country's trade deficit widened for a second month in October, but less than what economists had expected in a Bloomberg poll. Question is, how should we be reading into this piece of data and how would that fit in the bigger picture along with the hotter than expected jobs report and the service industry activity in November? And what would this mean for the Fed and market participants? Then. And aside from the US, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England also set to announce their rate decisions next week. But what are analysts predicting for now? Now, for more, let's speak to Anthony Joseph Raza, Head of Multi Asset Strategy at UOB Asset Management. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tian Tian. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you on. And, Anthony, let's start with the US. Trade deficit widened for a second month in October, uh, growing by some 4 billion US dollars uh, or 5.4% to 78.2 billion US dollars. Now, while the trade deficit grew, it was lower than Bloomberg's estimate. So how would you read into the numbers and what does it tell us about the state of the US economy? So uh, on a long-term basis, the, the U.S. has always had fairly uh, wide trade deficits. Right. And, you know, that's a long-term structural problem that it probably has to deal with. But for right now, I think uh, markets are really sort of jittery that, you know, a recession may be looming. And this is actually a sign that the, the U.S. consumer is probably still doing pretty well. He's mm-hmm. still buying more goods from overseas than other countries are buying from the U.S. And it's also probably an indication that the U.S. dollar is probably on the strong side, making uh, you know buying overseas goods attractive to Americans and a little bit less attractive for other countries to buy American goods. So, I mean, overall, I think there's mixed stories in that type of number, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's so bad. And I think in mm. the near term is actually kind of a, just shows a healthy trend that spending is holding up in the U.S. Mm. But with spending holding up, if, that, if that's a signal, what would this mean for the Fed, uh, be it its December decision, rate decision or where peak rates could go? Because we are also seeing hotter than expected non-farm payrolls and ISM gauge, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of mixed stories coming from the economy. There's some mm. parts of the economy that sort of look like things are slowing. That would be like the, the manufacturing indices, the, the ISM you mentioned. Those sort of things are, are showing some cautionary trends. But on the other hand, like you highlighted, um, jobs are really at very strong levels. And there's part of the service economy still looks like it's holding up. So I guess your question was, um, what does this mean for the <laughs> Fed next week when right, they right. address this? And I, sorry, I think I think it is a sort of a complicated situation, but um, I think for the near term, I think they they've sort of given enough indications that it does look like they're going to start slowing their pace of their rate hikes. So they've been doing you know all these seventy basis point rate hikes for all their previous meetings, and now it looks like they're more likely to trim that to about fifty basis points. And I and I don't think the, the recent data numbers in jobs or the deficit are necessarily going to change that view. Hmm. And in that case, well, Anthony, what are the chances of the U.S. economy slipping into a recession and by when? And how would you expect equity and bond markets to trade at least for the next week as we wait for the Fed's decision? Yeah, I think that's the question that actually I think markets are increasingly focused on. I I actually think for the last six months they were very focused on inflation and where's the Fed's going. And, and I think markets have gotten a little bit more confident that inflation does at least look like it's peaking. Nobody's really sure if it's going to slow down enough, but it does look like there's enough p- components of inflation that's, that's normalizing. So that, that puts all eyes on, on your question, which is what's, what's going to happen to the economy in 2023? Right. 
And I would say if you poll most economists, I would say more than half are sort of predicting a recession. Most would highlight it's probably a uh, mild recession in the U.S. and that uh, Europe also is probably facing headwinds, especially with their their energy shortage problems. Mm. So I think uh, that that would be a little bit consensus. But uh, and and I, and I don't really think it's a um, uh, incorrect view to form based on some trends. But I would highlight that there's enough mixed messages in the economic data. Mm-hmm. And I also think that these are confusing times. A lot of what looks like a normal pattern you would see before a recession is still possible to be sort of COVID after effects, right? Um, and these lockdown after effects. And so I got, you know, everyone knows that during the pandemic, everyone stayed home, bought lots of goods. And then once we reopen, it looks like they're slowing down buying goods and they're going out and participating in services more. Mm. And that slowdown in goods buying and the slowdown in manufacturing is a typical pattern you see before a recession. Maybe this time it's not meaning the same thing. Maybe this is just the, the handover from goods to services thanks to the pandemic. Mm. And so bottom line, I, I think uh, I think investors should just be uh, wary that their, I think, recessionary risks with interest rates this high are uh, plausible. But at the same time, I wouldn't be overly convinced that uh, it's for sure we're going to face a, a significant recession. Right, right. But in the meantime, let's uh, take a more short-term view for now. Um, what's going to happen to equity and bond markets for the following week as we await the Fed's decision? And are we expecting any major fluctuations when the U.S. November CPI comes into the picture? Okay, so um, the way I would think of it is, The first thing we've been highlighting is that fixed income markets are probably on a more solid trend. Mm. We kind of been highlighting that we kind of fixed income is a little bit win-win at this point because inflation looks like it's normalizing. It means that um, if there's no recession, then in fixed income, at least we're getting strong yields now. Uh, And if there is a recession, then interest rates probably come down and you even have capital gains on top of that. So we we do think fixed income markets look pretty healthy for the next, you know, uh, few months, uh, at least. Um, on the other hand, you also asked about equities, and I think the equity confu- uh, picture is much more confusing. Mm-hmm. I expect more just range-bound markets and probably just volatile range-bound markets until I think we get clear views on where the uh, economy is going. Mm, so you're not expecting any major surprises for now, even when the U.S. inflation picture comes into play, for the moment at least? Yeah, so I guess one thing I would just say about inflation is, mm-hmm. you know, we, we track all the underlying trends, and our view is, well, if you add this all up, the inflation numbers should be coming down. Mm-hmm. But if there's one number that economists have the most standard deviation of error around forecasting, it's this darn inflation number. And it's surprised <laughs> to the upside so many times, and mm-hmm. surprised the other way last month, that um, I would admit I get pretty nervous when it's released because... Everyone's mm. had such a hard time modeling it. Ah, okay. Uh, if you're just <laughs> tuning in, we're now speaking to Anthony Joseph Raza, Head of Multi-Asset Strategy at UOB Asset Management. Well, Anthony, I'd like to turn our attention to look specifically at debt. Now, Bloomberg reported earlier, citing the Bank of International Settlements, that uh, there is a hidden risk to the global financial system embedded uh, in the $65 trillion US dollar debt held by non-US institutions, via currency derivatives. Now, sounds like a mouthful, but help us break this down. What does this mean for the man in the street? How concerned should we be? My view would be that probably everything's going to be fine, but it's it's those types mm. of sort of complicated financial derivative holdings that can get large in size that sometimes catch us by surprise. And so I think it's right for Bloomberg maybe to highlight this issue. Mm. Uh, I, I would sort of have the view that I actually think it's, it's probably not very likely that um, it's really going to cause uh, major problems. 
And I guess just the other way, just to think about the underlying issue in fixed income for 2022 and all, all these these bonds that are held via derivatives or direct holdings. So they had a really bad year in 2022 as interest rates went up. But what's happening is you're not really getting um, defaults. And therefore, you know, I don't think this is like 2008 where, you know, there was such chaos in the financial markets. I think it's more likely that there there's some pain and some bad performance and, and losses. But I don't think it's it's as significant as having like uh, uh, defaults on any of your bonds. You haven't actually, you know, lost your, your, your real value. It's just a mark to market value. Mm. Well, apart from the U.S. and uh, the Fed, Anthony, I'd like to turn our attention to look at the flurry of central bank activity uh, that will continue to dominate headlines next week. We have the European Central Bank and the Bank of England uh, announcing their rate decisions. What are you expecting for now and to what extent have these been priced in by markets? Yeah, so I, I think all of them are on sort of a, an increasingly hawkish trend. I, I think all of them probably are not as hawkish as the Fed. Um, and the reason is that the U.S. inflation problem looks more, you know, demand driven. It looks like more of a, you know, overly hot uh, economy that the Fed does have to cool down. But for all the other countries where they one have to react that, you know, to maintain their currencies versus the U.S., they, they also probably have to hike rates. And they do have inflation problems, too. But uh, like, for example, in Europe, the inflation problems look much more supply side driven, right? It's all those energy prices that went up a lot as opposed to that economy looking as hot as the U.S. economy. So, I mean, mm. in the end, I, I think we sort of just should keep bracing for central banks everywhere <laughs> to stay on the hawkish side. Mm. But um, I, do, I, I kind of think in the end, it's probably the U.S. that is the most hawkish. Mm. And, uh, well, in the meantime, we have the Reserve Bank of Australia getting ahead of its peers uh, on Tuesday, raising rates to a 10-year high, in fact, of uh, 3.1%. Uh, what kind of signal do you think it is sending to central banks around the world for now? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the the same trend. I think everybody is going to get to ten year highs uh, sooner or later in the next uh, quarter or two, and um, and I, I think uh, that's that's just a continuation of the the trends we're seeing all over the world. Hmm. And well, looking at the recent developments in totality, how should we as retail investors position our portfolios then, both in terms of assets and geographies? Yeah, so our first recommendation, I think I hinted to it before, is that actually we're telling clients that, you know, fixed income funds had a terrible year in 2022. And I can understand why clients, investors probably are a little bit gun shy to get back into fixed income funds. But the reality is, I I think they look really well positioned. Um, The yields are much higher than we've seen in a decade. I I don't think they're necessarily going to get much, much uh, higher from here because inflation is tapering down a bit. And um, if there's a recession, then your returns are going to be greater. So um, for the most part, our first recommendation is it's time to get back into fixed income because um, what I think uh, clients are doing is they're seeing deposit rates. They're looking pretty good. Uh, you can get 4% in deposits. And uh, so a lot of people might be saying, oh, why should I bother you know, buying bonds or, or other? But the, 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 what you want to do now is lock in these high yields. They're probably not going to be around forever. And therefore, if you buy more of a longer-term bond, you're able to, to get this high yield on a longer-term basis. Well, so that's the first mm, recommendation. Right. And well, Anthony, before we let you go, I actually have a question from one of our listeners who sent me a LinkedIn message, and I'd like to pose this question to you. Now, the listener asked about whether the reopening of COVID restrictions in China could add flame to the current global inflation. Now, he believes that the uh, inflation or, in fact, consumption will be even greater than pre-pandemic coming in from China. 
So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I, I think it's a good point. I think China is reopening faster than expected. I think that's going to be one of the biggest economic developments of the course of 2023. And I do think it's right that that's going to help drive up commodity prices that have been rather lackluster recently. Um, but overall, I would have said, especially when we're tracking what's happening in the U.S. economy, which you know is causing the Fed to lead the way with all these rate hikes, I think it's actually not going to be a big driver of the U.S. inflation. The U.S. inflation is really being driven by their own domestic demand of that economy being too hot. And if that comes down a bit, then uh, then I think uh, eventually the Fed can can back off whether or not, you know, copper and all being driven up um, mm. due to China's reopening. Right. Thank you very much, Anthony. That was Anthony Joseph Raza, Head of Multi-Asset Strategy at UOB Asset Management. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.